Welcome to the Feminine Truth Podcast with Mary Miranda, a place where you can reconnect with your wild, cyclical, and fierce truth. I am Mary Miranda, a mentor, coach, healer, and intuitive. I guide women on a journey of remembrance, reconnection, and embodiment of who they are, their essence, power, and truth by reawakening the power of their feminine energy, womb, and menstrual cycles. Join me each week to indulge in raw, unedited, and unfiltered topics to help women own and step into their divine feminine truth and become unshakable, unapologetic, and bold in who they truly are. Let's jump into today's conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Feminine Truth Podcast with Mary Miranda. Today, I am very, very excited to have my second male guest. And Will, um, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you very much, Mary. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to chat with you about a lot of things involving the nervous system, healing and relationships probably too. Yes, I'm so excited. So the reason that I, it's so important for me to bring men in my podcast is because you guys are so valuable to women and to this world. And I, oh, I got goosebumps. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want you to have a voice and a platform on my podcast. So women that are part of this audience can get a sense of a different type of men, men that they are not used to, because a lot of my audience are used to all men are the same, toxic relationship, toxic dynamics, right? And for me, the way that I have been discovering that that there are really good and amazing men is through healing, is through doing this work and encountering and really meeting that there's like different type of men and realizing that I was wrong, that I had all these limiting beliefs because of everything that I have lived. So I really want women to get to experience what I have experienced. So when I found you on Instagram, I was like, he has to come on my podcast. So once again, thank you so much. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And I really appreciate the the love and that you found me on Instagram and everything. Yeah, I think for me, it's the same too. Like, Um, we're all looking for sort of like a healed version of the, you know, whatever we're attracted to. So for many women, that's a man or a healed man. And what I look at is the nervous system and healing on the nervous system level. So for me, the language that I use is around being ventral, vagal, dominant, Mm -hmm. which basically means that, you know, you, me, anybody is operating from the nervous system of social engagement, which is basically the nerves which connect our heart all the way up through our neck into our eyes, our face, and our cheekbones so we can express our emotions and connect empathically with people. And then also regulates our organs and whatnot and makes us healthy. Mm-hmm. And when somebody's operating from ventral, so that nerve system of social engagement, dominantly, uh, they're just going to have more of this ethos, more of this energy of being healed or of not reacting so survival mode in many situations. And I think that that's ultimately what a lot of us are starting to get attracted to embodying and also in a partner. Yes. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Like I learned that in my own journey and, and I have been doing this work and it's still not easy. I can still feel like going back to the fear-based mode, going back to the paras- uh, the sympathetic fight or flight, or going back to this, just like feeling constricted or frozen. 
And it's just really hard getting back to the ventral when you're activated, first of all, you know, but so this work that you do is amazing. And I cannot wait for my listeners to hear more about it. But how did you get started on this? Or what was the reason that led you to start doing this work? Yeah, yeah, very long story. Um, Always been attracted towards healing, uh, well-being, got really into meditation first. And I eventually just, you know, I practiced a lot of this stuff on my own, like meditation, various healing modalities. And I didn't really have many friends or support, just felt like a lone wolf in it. And uh, I eventually went to India on my own, became a yoga teacher and got certified there and, you know, kept doing a lot of stuff on my own. But there was a couple of things that I noticed, for instance, like at meditation retreats or just practicing meditation and groups or on my own, I would notice sometimes little, little things like after I would meditate, I would feel this like awkwardness or contraction in my body or how do I break the silence? And then I would notice I would get this social anxiety of like, well, what's the first word I say after I meditate? Like I should be, I should be saying something like wise, maybe, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And I'd have all of these weird types of thoughts and, and experiences in my body in relation to other people. And it's, it's, it's some of these things as well as um, social stuff, like feeling socially um, not inhibited, but really like blocked, socially blocked and um, you know, unable to feel comfortable around certain people and certain dynamics. You know, um, even the idea of stage fright or being afraid to be super in the public eye and all that. And I just was like, this is a sticking point for me. Why is that? Why am I not having progress here? Like, I don't know what it is. Like, shouldn't I just be able to meditate or stretch my way into some sort of deeper embodiment of who I am? And, and I wasn't able to quite do that the way I, I had hoped. And I still love uh, yoga, breathing meditations, lots, lots of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their things, but I love movement. And I love, uh, I love breathing. And then I had, long story short, basically, eventually through my own dysregulations, came across the idea of polyvagal theory. And immediately it just sort of was like, I, I knew that this was like something that I was going to study. And I knew that it was something that I was going to probably be a missing link for me. I just had this intuition. And I just did, and I pursued it really hardcore, but not in a in just a you know mind way, an intellectual way, but in a really applied way. I was always thinking like, how can I apply this to how I see people, how I interact with people, how I see myself, how my behaviors happen, and and how I can live a life differently. So then I got really into polyvagal theory. Took a course on it. Took a course on neuroplasticity. Took a certification with heart math took a certification on becoming a trauma professional and working with HRV and like lots of cool other nervous system oriented stuff. And ultimately it started to really fill in the gap for like how I can operate from this nervous system, which we call ventral vagal. And if you want to give it some words, it's the nervous system of safety, of trust, intimacy, play, clarity, curiosity, creativity. It's really the state that we're in where we're most in flow. You could really just rename it the flow state if you want. 
Because when you're ventral vagal dominant, things are just happening naturally. You're not really overthinking it and you feel, you know, you feel regulated in your body. Your sensations in your body are going to be more on the pleasant end or at least on the neutral end. And that's generally what most people want. So anyways, I got into that and I just started to see some really big changes. I remember even going to a group and being in an environment where I was just meeting 20 new people. Um, and I was, I had to share in front of everybody. And I remember just feeling like zero social anxiety. Oh and God. that's one of the moments where I realized like, whoa, this healing work that I've been doing or this nervous system work has, it's actually tangibly made a difference. Like I can feel my body and my mind and my thoughts, my energy uh, differently. Mm-hmm. So that's a long story short, kind of a, all over the place, but yeah. And right now, um, how has it been helping you? Like now that you have applied and you have embodied all this work and you have seen a transformation, how has that been? How has that changed your life pretty much? Yes. And I want to stop you there. Just like that, the idea of like that, I'm like fully embodied in it or something. No, <laughs> definitely. I'm in the process and, um, that is a very helpful mindset because there's always going to be huge, uh, I don't know, like one step backwards, two step forwards type situations. So if I'm always thinking of myself as like embodied, then um, I won't be able to cope as much with when I have a slide back because I'll be thinking so much, oh my God, okay, this isn't who this, I can't be, this can't be happening. And then I'll judge it too much. Right. So yeah, in terms of like um, what I've seen as I've become more uh, ventral vagal dominant in my own nervous system, to become more secure attached in terms of my attachment style and more well-being in my life, essentially, it's just this feeling uh, that I feel much more mm, equipped or resourced to process emotions and to process situations which could be overwhelming or for some even traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And uh, with those resources and those tools, it just is very relaxing to lean back on that um, and to be comfortable and in touch with your nervous system. And uh, I've noticed things have just, especially the last little while, like gone a lot smoother in my life, like cool opportunities like you reaching out or other people, other podcasts or more work for myself in this field that I'm so interested in that that's just come a lot easier. And I think that people can sense when you are operating from a regulated nervous system, it's very attractive and magnetic in a certain way. And uh, social engagement or ventral vagal is like contagious. So if I'm operating from that place, it helps other people meet me there or, or mirror that. And that will make them feel good around me. And when they feel good around me, they want to stay around me. And that's just a good overall experience of sharing good energy with people. So yeah, it's a lot in the subtle things, but big changes too, in terms of relationships and self-confidence really is a big one too. Not really doubting as, as much, but uh, it's super duper a process. So it's something that I am definitely maintaining and continuing to move forward. And because I came from such a dysregulated background of my own nervous system, it's almost like I have to use these tools more than the average person 
because I had so much of my own trauma, my own dysregulation, my own dorsal vagus nervous system, like shutdown states, freeze states, stress, and all of that. Um, but it's made me very dedicated and, um, and disciplined in a way because I've seen what negative, unpleasant, uncomfortable states a human being can experience. But I've also seen and worked towards maintaining or being more uh, stabilized in the beautiful, emotionally open and connected states that human beings can also be in. Mm, that's so good. And you made a very good point about bringing back that mindset shift on the embodiment part, because we are always an ongoing process. We're always healing. And it's beautiful that you said that because people realize that we're, you're, even though you have all this knowledge and you have done the work and you know how to integrate it, you still go through stuff that you use this as your number one resource to help you come back to ventral state. Yeah, like I said, I was I was a hard case. So, <laughs> Were you? so I yeah, I mean, what I mean by that is that um the nervous system states of dysregulation that I've experienced were very severe. And and so I don't it's almost like this um like I just really honor that and I acknowledge that like when I see other people who are dysregulated in a moment or even if I go there, I'm like but especially if I see other people, I'm like, that could be me again. Like I could be there. It's not, it's not like it's impossible for me to be there. So I really just acknowledge and like, you know, not getting ahead of myself and being like, or like jinxing it in a way by being like, oh yeah, I'm perfect now. And then being like, okay, then if you do get dysregulated at that point, when you've said you're perfect, then that's not going to fit the self image. That's going to be a bigger blow to the ego. That's going to be a bigger moment of falling off the pedestal you put yourself on and instead i'd rather just be like no i'm okay i'm, I'm fine and <laughs> and then take and then take it as it comes you know take take my life as it comes and be okay with being dysregulated i've i've uh that's a big mindset shift i've, I've had too is that it's like it's okay if i'm like is super sympathetically dominant when i'm around my parents or my family Mm -hmm. Like, uh, that's a big wound. So that might take some time to just repattern to a ventral dynamic. And uh, I'm okay with that. Oh, I felt that so strong, because it's the same. And it's the same for so many people, especially with the holidays coming up. <laughs> How <laughs> yeah. people's nervous system and get dysregulated, they're full of anxiety, they're full of worry, overthinking. And it's just like becomes this instead of being this very beautiful time during the holidays, it becomes this like chaotic uh, within ourselves. And it's like I've I, I actually experienced the same, but I'm at the point now that I am able to be around my parents for longer. And when I experience this regulation, I come back faster to center, which is the most amazing thing. Before I used to stay longer for days like longer in it for days even if i'm highly sensitive so even if someone flicked me on the road no that i didn't even know that would affect me for like two three days that's how bad it would be for me like my dysregulation and me like being super sensitive and now it's like when i have been doing this work and i still have so much work to do obviously but it's like now it's like i can it still hurts me 
it still hurts me. <laughs> so like I might experience triggers, but I come back to center faster through this process. And I'm pretty sure like the people that you help with, like they have seen such a difference too in their lives. And the window of like, when you come back to center, it's just, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's not the same. Wow. That is such a good uh, description. I guess that's, that's one of the things that I, I can also vouch for is that uh, that bounce back period gets shorter yeah. and the intensity of the dysregulation becomes less. That's yeah. basically like a definition of healing. So like, I love hearing that from you, like you're on the right track and yeah. that's what it's been for me too. Basically the intensity of certain dysregulation moments, uh, whether it's like me shutting down and dorsal vagal shut down, collapse mode, withdrawing, or whether I'm like in a free state, um, feeling stuck internally or externally with taking actions or not doing so. Or if it's a sympathetic overload state, like I'm feeling stressed and anxious or think overthinking things, um, they, they have become less and less severe, less and less intense and become something that doesn't seem to last as long, which is so nice because it, then you become much more rooted in a sense of your own self being regulated. You're like, oh, that's, that's my dominant sort of state. That's my dominant sort of sense of who I am and how I operate in the world and the dynamics that I create in my life and my relationships yeah. versus many of us and, and how I literally lived for maybe a decade um, is in like a peripheral free state. And that was sort of my, my modus operandi. That was how I would operate on default. So that's how I thought I just was. I was just like, this is just me. I just get uh, frozen if I'm put on the spot or I feel like it's hard to take action. Uh, I feel immobilized when it comes to pursuing my dreams. Like for some reason, I just cannot do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I guess that's just how it is. Um, and the more that I've become regulated, it's just like taking actions that you desire is, you know, to move in a direction that you desire just happens more naturally because uh, the nervous system isn't tuned for threat, which means you're literally not in a survival mode, like trying to, your nervous system isn't just like, oh my God, are they judging me? Oh my God, am I going to be kicked out of the tribe? Oh my God, uh, is this safe? Is this safe? I don't think it's safe. I don't think they're safe. Doing all of this extra energy stuff. And instead, a lot of that's cleared out of the way and you can just be like, well, I want to make money helping people and I want to do X, Y, Z. I want to, you know, insert whatever your goals are, if it's, you know, health, wealth, happiness, anything. And it just feels like you have a more clear, just aligned path forward that your body responds to being like, yeah, go ahead, take the actions. There's nothing to be afraid of. Like you're brave and you're courageous and you can do it. Yes. And one question that I want to ask you, and then I have another powerful question after that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been predominant on the freeze, like paralyzed, have all this energy inside of me that I want to do things. And then I just cannot move. It's immobile. I'm immobilized. I cannot move. And yeah. the way that shows up for me is procrastination. And I used to like be so hard on myself, calling myself lazy, calling myself like not good enough, like all this stuff when I, and then when I learned about the polyvagal theory, procrastination took a different meaning to me. And I'm like, this is a trauma response. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> I'm like, this is a trauma response. And I have been bullying and 
self-abusing myself, calling me all these names because I wasn't taking action when it was a coping mechanism and how I was trying to cope with the trauma and everything. And I did not know that. And when I found this work, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish more people know this, especially about that label procrastination and not getting things done and just calling yourself lazy. That just takes a toll on your self-worth and your self-esteem and putting yourself out there, like you're saying. And when you start doing this work and you start becoming more ventral and you start being more regulated, you feel safer to take action. It's like, it just feels like, like you can finally breathe. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, I, I mean, I really relate with your story because like, basically I think freeze was my dominant response. And I think freeze now, I don't have any like signs behind this, but I think freeze is probably the most common mm-hmm. uh, response to intense, overwhelming experiences or trauma. And the reason I think that is because it's an activation both of the dorsal nervous system and the sympathetic, and they're sort of in a tug of war. So like both of our survival systems are online and it creates this like, I, I want to take action, but I can't. And, I- and it's just very draining and very intense. Uh, and I remember for myself, like my to-do list or like my desires, for instance, like I want to have a YouTube channel or an Instagram. They felt so heavy and unsafe and, and like, oh my God, like I want it, but I can't go there because it just feels like this massive, heavy blocked thing. And, uh, as I've sort of just like you, like moved more and more towards regulation and, um, bounce backing bouncing back quicker, um, that heaviness has become less and less heavy and become more and more naturally flowing in that direction. And at times just a complete open field where it just feels like, Oh, I can just go there. Right. And, uh, actions feel natural. My to-do list doesn't feel so heavy. In fact, it's like, of course I would feel a little bit excited at times to do the things which are taking me towards what I want Mm -hmm. rather than feeling like, I want to do these things, but I also simultaneously feel like my nervous system is literally blocking me from doing them. Yeah. And honestly, something to point out a little bit is that I have hired business coaches and they're not trauma informed. They obviously don't know about the nervous system and they will always be like, just get it done. Just do it. Just put yourself out there. Hustle, go, go, go. And it's just like, for me, it's like, I want to, but I can't, like, I, I can't, you know? So for me, like, it's so important to now find people that are business coaches that are trained in these two modalities, like, especially the nervous system and being trauma informed that's made such a big difference in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that too. I mean, most things I would prefer that they're trauma informed. It's sort of like my new baseline now yeah. because trauma informed it basically for me is just like in touch with reality. Like reality is that people have trauma or nervous system dysregulation of all different types from all different situations, whether it's from this life, this childhood they had, or whether it's from their ancestral line, basically passing on um, imprintations of their nervous systems and trauma responses is even just a couple generations back. And um, to me, it's just being in touch with reality. So yeah. if somebody is, you know, a trauma-informed coach or yoga teacher or really just anything, I'm much more apt to be like, oh, yeah, like I want to take their program. I want to do their thing. 
because I'm comfortable feeling that, you know, whatever states I'm in are not going to be further repressed or exiled or, um, I don't know, belittled or invalidated in some way, but instead will be just like seen for what they are and, and, and supported and tended to really just tended to, and, um, hopefully processed a little bit more as I learn and grow through whatever it is I'm learning with that practitioner. Yeah. Amazing. So let's talk about healing. Let's talk about how, when someone either comes to you, but this is also for my audience in case they're interested in your work. So when someone comes to you with, well, we all have trauma, I believe that, but you know, they have trauma in their bodies. Like, how do you go about helping them heal? Like, what is the, how do you start like working with them? Yeah, it really, really depends on the person and also depends on if I'm working with them in a group program or a one-on-one. So like for a one-on-one, that's usually where people will want to pursue more intense um, stuff that maybe have been going on with them. Um, just because one-on-one is more, you know, social safety, privacy, energy just for them. Whereas a group dynamic is like, hey, you're kind of actually amongst a social dynamic there. And for some people, that alone could make them uncomfortable. Um, but for both, the process is very similar. I really, really want to help people have education first. I'm all about self, self-leadership, self-education. So it's like, uh, I'm never here to help, to, to, you know, to heal somebody and be like, ta-da, you're healed or something like that. No, um, I'm here to support people to their, for their own process. And so we talk about the perspectives of polyvagal theory in an applied way, similar to what we've been touching on here, which we really, really try and emphasize an understanding of these states. And so, yeah, I, I talk about it. I call it applied polyvagal theory 101. And we got to run through that because if we don't start there, then we're going to be... I think sometimes um, grasping at things that we can't really name. And so once we talk about the nervous system and its various states, understanding the survival mechanisms that are sort of wired into us and also being able to recognize each and every state for what it is, then I think we can get some traction. So education first, and then that gives traction for mindfulness and, and uh, being aware of, nervous system state. And then the, the very first exercise I always do with people, um, this is as I was taught in the polyvagal theory course that I took, is nervous system mapping. So basically, we take a look at how each nervous system state manifests for you and your body as a bio-individual human. You're unique and your nervous system will create different sensations, thoughts, behaviors, based on your life, your imprints, your body, your circumstance. And so then once we can start to identify like what your nervous system creates as a sympathetic response, how you feel it. For instance, some people might get really tight shoulders. Somebody else might get like pressure headaches. Um, somebody else might just get a really fast heart rate and then tension in their lower legs like they run want to run away. So people will experience these states of arousal differently in their body and their nervous system. And so we go through each and every state. I go through the four main states. Um, we talk about, I give them colors, but um, so green being ventral, green means go. 
Go means you're capable, you're feeling open, willing, safe, comfortable, trusting, and you want to go do whatever you want to do and you have courage to do it. And you generally feel good and regulated in that state. Then we have yellow, which is like, you know, at a yellow light, it's kind of like, watch out, there could be danger. There's something you got to confront or run away from. And that's your sympathetic nervous system. How does that manifest in somebody's body? Um, everybody's different. And we'll, we'll learn a little bit as we map these things out. And then below that, we have red, which is stop, which is the dorsal vagus shutdown collapse or with withdrawal sim, uh, system, which gets us to basically pull away. Things aren't safe. Go hide in your room. <laughs> Go come under the covers. And uh, maybe it's associated with depression or shame, apathy, not feeling like things are kind of pointless or hopeless. And then in between those two, the, the, one of the most important states we already talked about, um, I bring up orange, which is a blend of yellow and red. And that's the freeze or fawn state, which is sort of like an internal feeling of being stuck. Sometimes we don't take action or sometimes we are stuck in our emotions. So we don't feel safe to express our emotions in our relationship. So then we just people please to avoid conflict. Okay, okay. We just kind of go along. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And then we end up betraying our own needs, boundaries, desires, the things that make us unique and, and special. We sort of shut down those aspects or freeze them and they don't get expressed. And so then we feel like we're not really living in touch with ourselves. So we go through all these different states and we map them for understanding. And then I'll share, uh, I'll share a technique. I always share techniques. I feel like techniques give the nervous system traction. So there's so much talk, right? Just theory is, is, is just uh, great ideas, <laughs> but we need to do actual practices. We need to actually do things to feel our nervous system, to get to know it better. And some of them are so, so simple. It's not like anything crazy, but doing these techniques helps us to get in touch with our biology and gets us to hopefully work at the somatic or body level. That's what I want to support people. To. So that it's not just in your mind or, you know, at the mental level, but you're able to influence your, for instance, your breath pattern, your resting muscle tension your blood pressure, or maybe your breathing patterns in such a way that induces or supports and facilitates your nervous system becoming more regulated. Um, and so a big piece of that is, you know, it's a skill that we build. It doesn't happen overnight. And the other part is knowing from the nervous system maps that we've done, how to pair a technique or a practice or a tool with a given state of dysregulation or even regulation. So that way, maybe, I hope you, you heard this term before, but if you're people who are listening and haven't heard it, it's called interoception. Mm -hmm. We're able to tune into our body, feel the state that we're in. And then from that, be like, okay, I'm a little sympathetically aroused right now. I'm going to do that tool or that breathwork thing that Will showed me or that I found on the internet or that I learned about on a podcast that's specifically supportive for reducing sympathetic overactivation. And then what they end up doing is they tend to their nervous system state rather than cope and distract and avoid and lash out 
and all the things which most people have just been doing because we haven't known how to tend to our state. So yeah, we, we use tools and techniques to tend to state, to work with state, to really just let ourselves be in that state for a moment, feel it, and then work with ourselves and almost could be in a sense, reparent ourselves in many cases back to what we want, which is to be soothed and regulated and feeling safe and comfortable. So I hope that makes sense. That's how we start, but then we, we keep going way past that. That's, that's, that's um, step one. That's so amazing. It made me feel like so like grounded <laughs> just hearing you because it's on a deeper level to me, it's you guide people to get to know themselves, like really get to know themselves. So whenever there's this regulator, they're aware of it. They're mindful. They are so aware of their bodies and a lot of people are so disconnected from their bodies. So you, in a nutshell, you help people get reconnected with their bodies too and their nervous system. And that's just more like, it's, it's just amazing. It's just amazing because a lot of people don't know their bodies. They don't know like when they're doing something, they're so out of touch with their bodies. They're too much in their head. So the work that you do is just so powerful because a lot of people don't know who they are. And like you said, they lash out, they lash out like a temper tantrum. They don't even know why. (laughs) Yeah, that could be an extreme form or like addictions, distractions, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I've been all of those. (laughs) I've been all of those. I had pretty intense addictions when I was a lot younger. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was sort of one of my main coping mechanisms was to use various drugs and to basically just avoid and escape my, my state of dysregulation. So I didn't know how to, how to deal with it. I didn't know how to process or, or I had, didn't have the tools that I felt comfortable and confident with and hadn't practiced. So yeah, the interoception part, like you're saying, is so, is so powerful, something that I work on developing. I can think of a great example of the, just even I think a couple days ago, um, where I were used interoception successfully uh to to help me to stay regulated i um and also awareness i guess just awareness of state so i forget what it was but i was looking for something and i've had this pattern and i think i might have adopted it through my family just because they modeled these behaviors to me and it was just like my only reference point when i was a kid right but I was looking for something and I couldn't find it. And I kept looking and I kept looking. And I noticed like after I sort of moved one other box and went into like the third box or something that I felt the shift in my body of going into sympathetic peripheral activation. I could literally feel it happening. Like my body was starting to perceive that if I don't find this thing, this is like a threat. Like this is like, it was making it a huge deal. Right. But really, in reality, it wasn't that big a deal if I didn't find it. And I took a moment and I was like, do I really need to find this thing right now? Like, is this that big of a deal? And then I just disengaged and I was like, you know, there's other actually more important things for me to do. And also, I think that night I had an important call and, uh, you know, with, with some of my, my group program, I'm pretty sure, or, or, or it was my workshop. And I was like, I don't want to be going into there with this peripheral activation um, if I don't have to be. And I totally don't have to be. So I just, through that awareness of interoception, just was able to stop doing what I was doing and stopped the dysregulation right where it was and 
took the necessary time out from, you know, that landslide, which could have just ended up me being like frustrated. And honestly, it's, it's weird, but we all have our own triggers. Like for me, not finding something, like if I can't find my keys, I, my nervous system goes crazy and it just, uh, I don't know, like maybe some people relate and other people are like, like they're able to cope and chill out a bit about it. But for me, it's been a big thing. And so I've had to learn how to process certain things like that. And, uh, and to just like accept this, I think sometimes this feeling of not having control brings up those states. So anyways, I, I just disengaged and that alone was enough to sort of simmer down. But if it was residual, I probably would have done um, reclined four, seven, eight breathing with my palms interlaced behind my head and neck so that I can encourage diaphragmatic breathing and longer exhales to basically turn on something called the baroreceptor reflex, which is where when you breathe into the base of your lungs, it's able to stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system more so to, to cool down the jets of the sympathetic. And so that deep belly breathing and the longer exhales really helps facilitate that. From my experience, from my understanding, from my research, that's one of the, the main ways that I like to use to, to work with overactive sympathetic. And I like to do it lying down. Mm. The reason for that is because when we're sympathetic, it's fight or flight, right? Yeah. So that means we want to be doing things. And there's this hypervigilance of like, like, look, 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 look around. And so the opposite of what we want to do is to relax, like on our back and become immobile. So as we do that, we're basically telling our, as long as we're in a safe environment, we're basically telling our nervous system, it's safe to be immobile. It's literally safe to not do anything. And then as your body starts to feel that and you breathe longer exhales and you're going into your deeper belly, your, your lower abdomen, that for me, as well as for a lot of people that I've worked with has been very, very helpful, sort of just really quick tool. And it can take four rounds of it or eight rounds, which could take four minutes or something like that. Or if you have to, if you want to go more, you can go more, but usually somewhere between four and eight rounds can be enough to notice a tangible difference. After you do four or eight rounds, you take a big sigh. Maybe you, you rock your head side to side, you go stand up and you'll, you'll feel quite different. You'll feel uh, like a lot of that has winded down. But the problem is a lot of people, when they get sy sympathetically overactivated, they don't stop. They don't pause. They don't lie down and come back into their body to feel that, hey, 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 I'm actually safe for right now. And my body's having this intense reaction. You know, it's a little bit over the top for what's actually happening. Like, I can't find batteries or whatever it was like, it's going to be okay, dude, you're not dying. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And then when you're emotionally charged, when you're in sympathetic state, it's so hard because your prefrontal cortex is not working, you know, it, you're disengaged from it and you just want to be doing things or it's, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. There's this, uh, with the sympathetic nervous system, it tends to create cognitive fixation mm. so cognitive fixation basically means your mind starts to loop or obsess or fixate on a certain thing or topic so for me it was the batteries right um for somebody else it could be their ex-partner mm. for somebody else it could be they're late for work and they keep thinking oh my god my boss is going to be mad oh my god my boss is gonna be mad, or whatever it is right 
I can give you an, my example, the way I'm activated my I'm an anxious attachment, that's my primary and obviously doing the work to secure every time it's getting better. <laughs> but um, the biggest activation for me is when I text and they don't text back fast enough. I start thinking, I start thinking what's going on. They're ghosting me, this and that. And it's happened several times. So my biggest work has been, and I even immerse myself on this on purpose, that I, um, I'm talking to people. I joined a dating app and I have done it because I'm like, I am getting regulated. We're going to tackle this because this cannot be happening. I cannot be like living my life like this, right? So it's just more like for me, what works for me is breathing. And like just doing the breath work and just um, doing tapping has really worked for me. And just like disengaging, just getting up because sometimes I'm just sitting down, I'm getting up and doing something else. But um, it's just like something that I noticed that is my biggest activation. It's when they're not texting back or when they take like two, three hours to text back. And it's only like one, two words for me. It's like, oh, why the, what? the way it feels in my body, it's not okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much for opening up about that. I guarantee you, you're not the only person mm. who, who is uh, having that, has had yeah. that experience. <laughs> And uh, I just recently did a workshop with uh, the beautiful Ashlyn, the trauma catalyst. If you follow her on Instagram, she's really cool. We both collaborated on this workshop called Nervous System Attachment Theory, where we bridged the two together. And um, I wouldn't be surprised, and you can definitely speak to, I don't, never want to make any assumptions, but you know, maybe something from childhood or just learned behaviors from your family basically got this anxious attachment going. And then uh, when somebody doesn't respond, the nervous system goes into this perception of threat mm -hmm. through this idea that like, oh my God, if they don't respond now, they literally like my dad when he didn't show up or insert whatever the thing is. It could be, it could be a million things. Yeah. They are going to abandon me and that is not safe. No, that I know is, where it comes from. No, I know yeah. Totally right. And it's like so good to go back to childhood because that's where everything started. That's the root for most of the things, mm -hmm. right? So when I was analyzing this pattern, because I have been working on this lately. <laughs> um, I can I can tell that you're you're like you're super aware of everything. Awesome. Yeah. So where it comes from is that my dad, when he would get mad, he would withdraw and take away his love and affection, and he would give us a silent treatment and distance himself. So when I wow. perceive distance from my taxes, not even if they're not responding, is the distance. I feel unloved. I don't feel safe. I feel like abandoned. My abandonment wound comes in. That's what I picked up. I was like, oh my God, like I'm getting goosebumps because this is my dad's like trauma work that I'm, I still have to do. I still have work around it because he still does it, right? The moment I do something bad when I was, when, when the moment I did something bad when I was little, even if it wasn't bad, he would just withdraw silent treatment, take away his affection. And I worked so hard to get his affection. So when he would take it away, that was the most painful thing in the world. So when a man comes here, project like doing the same thing my dad did, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, my dad's taking away his love. It's like, I go back. Yeah. It's like my little girl goes back to daddy issues <laughs> without a daddy wound. And it's like, wow, I'm like, okay, this man is just reflecting something that I have to heal 
from my dad. This is my wounded with my dad. It's not even about the man. So that's something that I actually has really helped me because I detach from the person I'm speaking to and, or talking to in dating terms. And I'm like, oh, that has nothing to do with them. This is my own wounding. And I have to clean my side of the street. And that feels so good to own it and to do the work and be so aware of it. But it's still a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so clear. And, uh, and, and you're right. Like the only thing that we can do is ultimately your own work. Maybe this actually is a great segue into relationship stuff. Yes. But the, the only thing that we can do is our own work. And even if they are doing, you know, a negative or coping or unhealthy behavior, it's like the real trick that happens, like for me and everybody is we end up focusing our energy on like, oh my God, they should change. Like, why are they doing that? But while we're doing that, we're literally fixating out there rather than on regulating our own internal state. So a big shift is drop the perception, you know, the perceived threat and focus on tending to the state unless you're literally in danger. Yeah. Like if there's a tiger in the room, it's like, okay, I'm just going to regulate. <laughs> it's like, no, like <laughs> you deal, deal with the actual threat. Right. But if, if the, if the perceived threat is not necessarily, you know, an immediate danger or, um, you know, violent or something like that, then often it's our nervous system having this intense reaction and we actually are safe enough to pause, to take these moments for ourselves to regulate, like with tapping, which I think is awesome, by the way. Um, I have done it occasionally, and I, I love it because it's rhythmic, it's soothing, uh, and it's, you know, there's words, affirmations based on it too. And uh, it's also body-based, meaning that you're like, you focus and tune into your body through the actual tapping. So yeah, taking a moment for that or for breathing or for one of the, whatever the amazing tool that you personally resonate with is, um, is key because our mind, like I mentioned, sympathetic activity will cause, cause cognitive fixation. So your mind will have a hard time disengaging from this person did this. Why did they do this? Or, or the situation or what am I going to do? And to disengage from that and focus internally on our somatic experience, our sensations, to be able to feel what's there and, and to be able to tend to our nervous system state is a whole different paradigm. And it can take some time to shift. I still have to shift that all the time. Like if something happens, it's such a natural response to focus on the perceived threat rather than yourself. It's yes. like just a very natural thing. Yeah. And that's kind of for me, that's when I'm like, oh, I'm letting myself go when I fix on them. And when I keep ask, like, I'm like, I'm asking myself, why are they doing this? How come they're not responding? I'm like, I don't even have my own answers, you know, because <laughs> I'm so focused instead of me. And then it's like when I turn the shift back to me, it's like, no, this is about me. Why is this affecting me so much? Like, Why? How is this feeling in my body? And it's like when I go and do the work. And for me, that's like self-love, self-care. Just when I return all the energy back to me. So it's, it's like self-regulation, right? But what about co-regulation? We mentioned something when we were kind of like setting up like what we wanted to talk about on this podcast. You mentioned something that was powerful. The spectrum of co-regulation, healing, the nervous system through relationships. Can we talk about that? 
Yeah, I forgot that I used those words, but I remember now. Like, yeah, that so. looks like badass. Let's talk about yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So um, co-regulation is our ability to go into a state of ventral vagal dominance or just generally a state of well-being and feeling regulated in ourselves through a dynamic with another person or multiple people, right? So we both regulate together. Co-regulation is amazing, and it's actually the foundation of our biology. When we were a child and we cried, we literally couldn't just cheer ourselves up, you know, <laughs> rub our own back. Like we we needed a co-regulatory experience to sort of um, be soothed, and so it's the foundation of our sort of emotional process. Um, despite what some people think or believe, it's it really is extremely foundational. Um, despite, you know, the hyper independence that a lot of us try and embody, um, we, we really do need each other. And that's actually a good thing because we can cooperate and collaborate and, and, uh, do amazing things together and it wires us for connection. So co-regulation is essential. It's really, really powerful. And it's definitely one of the first things to, to look towards finding high quality versions of it after we've gone through something intense, after we've gone through something overwhelming, after we've had a traumatic experience even. Mm -hmm. So co-regulation exists on a spectrum. On the far end of the spectrum, you have co-dysregulation. Now, I don't know if that's an actual term, but it makes perfect sense to me. Basically, two people's nervous system become more and more dysregulated together, right? So think of a toxic dynamic, uh, abusive relationship, you know, nobody's getting happier. <laughs> it's, it's only kind of going downhill. And I've, I've seen and witnessed people in relationships like this and existed in them for short periods of time where literally the more time we spend, the worse our nervous system states become. Um, so that would be the extreme end. That's not on the regulation spectrum, but off the spectrum in co-dysregulation. Um, and that's ultimately, we don't really want to be doing that. It's not good for either of us. But on the spectrum of co-regulation, you have low quality, medium quality, or high quality co-regulation. You can think of low quality co-regulation as just being around other people. And basically, there's no judgment or there's very little judgment. And there's a somewhat comfortable environment for you to express certain parts of who you are. And you're generally well accepted in your ideas. This could be like a work environment for people. It could be friends, family. Medium level, there's more more parts of who you are, are are feeling safe and comfortable to be expressed. And then on the high end of co-regulation, we have like deeper intimacy, which is basically being able to connect and feel that your emotional expressions, even the deep and, and you know, the ones that might not even be perfectly put into words, have room to breathe, have room to be communicated. And uh, in high quality co-regulation, we're able to repair after any ruptures in connection very well or efficiently or we we strive towards that and as as a dynamic of people strive towards that it creates the sense of safety because you know even if you do go through a problem you're both committed to learning and growing together to be able to repair that and that commitment or that sort of attitude creates a very high quality co-regulating experience and intimacy and high quality stimulation to the vagus nerve 
into the ventral vagal sort of system, meaning that um, you can literally look into somebody's eyes and express your emotions and feel safe. And there's this sort of just open, you could like accepting quality to that person and how they're receiving you. And it allows you to feel like you can be more of who you are and more of your emotional expressions are allowed to exist without being criticized or repressed. Um, and as we do that, and we have like high quality eye contact and good emotional expressions, transparency is a word that comes to mind. That is very, very healing and very, very soothing and supportive for the nervous system, especially for people who've gone through overwhelming or traumatic experiences. But also for those of us who just want to have a higher quality of life, like if you have that on a regular basis, this high quality co-regulation, it increases our capacity to self-regulate. So if you, you could think of, let's say you're dating somebody and you really do cultivate these amazing, high quality, mindful communication dynamics. And you do that like three or four times, five times a week. And then when you're on your own, because the vagus, the ventral vagal system has been getting stimulated and, and really strengthened in a way, your ability, your capacity to regulate yourself on your own through breathing, moving, even just shifting your attention, your focus um, will be enhanced because this muscle has almost been strengthened through this process with another person in co-regulation. Hope that's a good run through. It is, it is. And it just makes me like wonder how we can start feeling safe within ourselves to attract someone that is more of a secure attachment, like an attachment that has a nervous, a regulator nervous system or more than us. For example, me, I'm like predominant anxious attachment, like predominant. That's what I am. Um, and it's because of, you know, how you express yourself that we needed someone regulatory when we were growing up. And I didn't really, I did have that, but then I didn't have that. It was not consistent in my experience. So how can someone start kind of uh, building this? Uh, let's see, how am I going to get to this? You know, start building this um, relationship with self so they, we can attract someone more with a secure attachment who's regulated. Yeah, I love that question. And I'm on the same journey as you, uh, <laughs> like uh we all want to have high quality co-regulatory relationships basically literally it just means you really you can vibe with that person and you're able to get through drama like boom and you know you feel like you know really connected and uh, like you can be a genuine team in what you do or you know your intimacy is is deep and you feel comfortable and safe and it's healing so you know what can we do for that ourselves I have a couple ideas. I'll, I'll share them. Yes. I made a post. It was, I think it was my last post on Instagram, which basically had this little catchphrase, which is that uh, low quality co-regulation is better than no quality co-regulation. Say that again. No, uh, low quality co-regulation is better than no quality co-regulation. Mm. So basically, if you can get yourself to have experiences of connecting and stimulating your ventral vagal system, meaning you feel open and you can you know, express yourself, you feel safe around other people. Even if it's not this deep intimacy that we're looking for, desiring, 
that's better than just being all alone by yourself. So basically, do you want to put it in like really layman's terms, like have friends <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and have, have people in your life that you can be expressing yourself openly with. And that way you're practicing the co-regulation muscle. So then it's not just this crazy jump if you're just by yourself, by yourself, by yourself. And then all of a sudden you meet somebody and you're like trying to co-regulate, but your nervous system hasn't really gotten super comfortable and familiar with high quality co-regulation and, and then you might just go back home into an anxious pattern and unfortunately sometimes our uh, attachment style patterns will trigger people's wounds themselves so your your anxiety could trigger someone's avoidance and their avoidance could trigger your anxiety i've been on you know the <laughs> different ends of that too so as, uh, as we have friends <laughs> or we have uh, co-regulatory influences in our lives, people that we can connect with, share energy with, vibe with, meaning we're just, we're just having spontaneous connection. We're just, energy is moving back and forth. There's no necessarily, you know, a strong outcome that we need to have happen. We're just sharing and we're just, you know, sharing experiences and mutually growing maybe then uh, that can prime and stimulate our, our nervous system towards more and more high-quality co-regulation. So yeah, the better high-quality co-regulation you can get, I mean, the more, the higher quality, the better. And ultimately, I think that's one of the things you can do on a nervous system level to prime yourself. And of course, the self-regulation, all the stuff that you do for self-love. Maybe you don't you know, notice every single day, but... I bet if like I saw you a year ago or two years ago and I saw you now, I would be able to feel the difference of the way that self-love makes you show up, you know, in your, the way you express yourself and like the way you radiate your own uh, emotions, the way you radiate your own confidence and all that. And people can feel that. So yeah, your self-love, your, the things you do to regulate yourself um, whatever that uniquely is for you, that I think is going to make a tangible difference, even if it's not overnight and, uh, yeah. And have friends. <laughs> That's yeah. No, and you're so right because I recently got legally divorced. So last year I separated and I, two days ago, I went back to the house where I was staying at and my neighbor saw me and she's just like oh my god you look so different like I hadn't seen her in like three months already wow and then even in three months it made such a difference um because it was a very stressful process like for the divorce and she's just like give me a, giving me a hug she's like I'm so happy you left him I'm so happy you look so good and I was like I feel so good <laughs> and I wasn't wearing makeup I was just like in a pineapple bun I was just like you know and it was just like such a good feedback to hear because I'm like, yes, the work that I do actually works and people can feel it. They can feel your energy, right? When you're regulated or when you're more in this secure attachment or when you're more at peace and feeling safe. And for me, uh, my core regulator is my niece. Like with her, a lot of people. So when I feel safe, my silly side, I'm very goofy and silly comes out. It does not come out with everyone because I was ridiculed when I was little. So right. that's like work that I have been doing. And then this comes back to play. 
that you mentioned. It's like, how can we create containers of safety so we can be fully expressed and heal at the same time? And with this comes play. Play for me has been so hard to do for other people to see. And I relate a lot, but I love your story. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) So like, how can we create containers of safety, not only with friends, but with our, not even with family, but like, you know, with people that we can have this intimacy with, and we can bring out our full expression, be who we are, playful, silly, goofy. Like I'm, I'm like, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be laughed at. That's why I hold back in my silly, goofy side. And I don't show it to people. But when people get to know me, like especially men that I've dated, they're like, whoa, I did not know this was you. <laughs> it's like surprise. And I'm like, I don't want it to be like this surprise. I just want it to be upfront. So I've been working on that. <laughs> I relate so much with what you're sharing. And <laughs> I, just because like, I, and I think most people do, like yeah. I, I become weirder and quirkier and I'm already pretty weird and quirky in my own ways, but that comes out more. Uh, and like little thoughts that maybe I would just hold back that I think are witty or funny, they'll just come out like, you know, spontaneous stuff will, will, will happen. And, uh, and I enjoy, and I enjoy that a lot. Um, but same for me. So I need to feel like safe, like basically a non-judgmental space for that to sort of come. And, uh, yeah, I have a good idea for you. It's something I've used in relationships. I find it very, very effective. You might've used it before. Um, it's great in theory it can be challenging to actually do unless both people are really adamant and willing and, and can put aside the time and um, yeah, have that intention. And basically what it is, is it's putting aside time to sit face to face and look into the other person's eyes and basically just express yourself with non-judgmental listening from the other side. Um, there's specific exercises you can do, but that's the, that's the essence of it. That's an intensely ventral vagal Mm. stimulating exercise because basically with eye contact, especially with close touch, you know, if you're holding somebody's hands or shoulders or knees or finding some way to just feel very comfortable around each other, and then you're allowing the emotions to be expressed, which of course usually are something we're feeling in our heart or our chest and sensations which then gets moved up through the ventral vagus nerve and then gets expressed through our eyes and our face, then we actually are able to function and operate and practice from that ventral space and then cultivate that in the dynamic. And once that becomes the default or once that becomes the more stable state of the connection or relationship, that becomes the fallback, then uh, safety, I think, will be pretty well established. Mm. so yeah yeah, spending that time to so this is literally what i did and what i love to do but it doesn't have to be this formal what we would do is five minutes of expressing no you know it could be anything you want while looking into the other person uh, and and just expressing thoughts feelings emotions your day your future your intentions your desires things that are on your mind and just expressing you got five minutes and then the other person listens and they repeat it back as neutrally as they can so they don't add any flavor they don't add any interpretation they don't add any um like that means this 
they just say it as it is like, wow. So I'm hearing that you're really excited about your, your job. You're really excited. And they're just reflecting what you said. Yeah. Cause you said, I'm really excited about my job. So they're just saying it right back. That feeling of being seen, of being heard, of being recognized, being validated, um, really opens up emotional possibilities and safety. And then the other person gets their five minutes. And then uh, I would usually do four rounds. So each person does it twice. And then if you want to keep talking after that, you can. The whole thing would take like 20, 25 minutes. Wow. Literally, when you were saying about like this exercise at the beginning, I'm like, oh, that would be so triggering for someone that's not used to feel seen, heard, felt, acknowledged, validated, all those things. And literally, this yeah. is kind of like so healing for that, too. Yeah, it could be really triggering. Um, like, I remember the first time I did it, I was like, you know, you feel like you're put on the spot, like the spotlight's <laughs> on you, but, but, and you're just like, um, okay, so I don't really know what to say and blah, 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 whatever. And then you get through that and then you just start opening. Right. And, um, and, and then this is what happens usually. So, you know, I've done this lots of times now and, uh, usually the first minute or two, I'm just kind of rambling. And then at about like minute three, I'm like, you know what? There is something that I wanted to bring up that I was on the back of my mind. And I mean, I was meaning to share this. And um, sometimes it's like maybe something I felt in the connection or sometimes it's something I'm really actually appreciating and exciting about, but excited about, but I literally just forgot about it because I wasn't in connection with it in that state. Or sometimes it's something that I have as, as an intention um, or something that I wanted to suggest or ask that person, but I just literally didn't have it on my mind. And so creating this container of communication will start to let those ideas flow and start to address any elephants in the room that you're like, oh my God, you know what? Last week there was this thing and I, I've been meaning to bring it up, but I didn't. Um, so I just want to express it here. And the other person's job is to, is to neutrally, you know, spaciously just listen. And then they just repeat it back, right? So it's not, it's not that you're right or wrong. Like you're literally, like, you felt that, right? So if you had that experience, it's, it's, it is an experience. It's a valid experience. And so it's just being given space to breathe. And then the other person can talk and, you know, the goal is not to like, just go back and forth and defend yourself, but <laughs> to, uh, you know, in an argument style, but instead to, to be heard, to be understood, to be validated and to let the emotional energy breathe and to cultivate a dynamic of ventral vagal dominance. And when that's the clear intention, like, Hey, we're here to cultivate like, you know, a regulated state between each other. So that means we're putting that above. That's the, the higher intention. That's the higher priority than being right or being wrong or you did this or, you know, blaming and shaming. Once we have that as a higher priority, our, our body, our mind finds a way to make that and hold that as the highest priority. And essentially, we'll, we'll create that dynamic, I think, of stability in safety and regulation through our ventral vagus nerve. That's so good. That's such a good and powerful exercise. I will do it. I'm going to do it and test it out and see how it goes. I do get, I do, I do remember getting nervous. Like the first time yeah. I suggest, I suggest it to like a, a partner or somebody I've been dating or something just to be like, Hey, like you want to do this thing. But um, <laughs> I think, I think together. a lot of the time, if they're cool, if they're cool, they're going to be like, fuck. Yeah. Um, I hope I can swear, but <laughs> too late. Oh, yeah, totally. uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, they're going to be like, yeah, I want to do this. I wish, I wish this was something I did before. And uh, like, thank you for just breaking that ice. Usually by the end of the first like 20 minutes or something, you're, 
you're literally like, whoa, like, thank God that we're doing this because this is so helpful. Like it took a little bit of bravery, a little bit of courage. You know, it's, it's, it's not that crazy, but it took a little bit of courage and you did it and it felt good and it felt maybe raw or authentic or vulnerable, but it, uh, it let the emotions breathe and you generally feel better as that happens. Now I can see myself liking it because I like depth. I like going into the depths of, per- of people. <laughs> I like just like getting to know them. I like substance. I like just like deep connection. I can see myself liking this a lot. <laughs> I could, I could tell you'd be great at it. Yeah. Cause you're uh, so, cause you're so willing and so like open to it. Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't easy because I remember I used to get stage fright. I used to turn red like a tomato and sweat, and now it's like so much better because I'm like, oh, I'm like, whatever I'm doing, it's working because <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. Um, I was gonna ask you something. How can we minimize getting back into the cycle of trauma? Like, how can we respond better when we face conflicts or when we face, like right now that the holidays are coming up and this podcast is coming up very soon. So to help people, how can we not avoid, because we really cannot avoid, but how can we minimize the, and feeding into the cycle of trauma and how can we respond better? Yes. Um, So many ways to answer the question, but the, the idea that comes to mind for me first, and, and you made a good point. Um, it's not like we're going to eliminate it. Um, the nervous system is automatic, it's autonomic nervous system. So these responses are sometimes like literally automatic. It's like you, you just automatic reaction. So you didn't have any control, but what we do is we respond to it better. And that's essentially what I think would be my answer is um, finding a way that regulates your nervous system, something that is supportive to you, um, not based in thought or emotion, or sorry, not based in thought or mentality, but something that you can literally feel in your body creates or produces or stimulates or supports regulation. Mm-hmm. So I used to think meditation was the, the one size fits all approach. And basically, um, I sometimes would meditate and by the end of it, I would be more dysregulated yeah. because of self-judgment and, you know, I have, and, and like, you know, whatever the, the things were, maybe I was a little bit dissociative to start with. I was a little bit dorsal, I was a little bit withdrawn. I was tired and I, and I just wasn't really able to connect with my body, my, my experience. So it's not that, oh, there's just this one technique that you could do. It's really about seeing what your nervous system and your body responds to. And seeing, even if you feel into your body, like, hey, you know what? I do feel 1% more regulated. So maybe I'll use that thing because that 1% can compound if I use it again and again. Or maybe 10%, 20%, or you feel like, wow, that, that was really regulating. So getting that body awareness and then uh, having a response to whatever the dysregulation is. And I think the thing that I would love to, to share and end with would be, I don't know if we're going to end, but um, would be heart focused breathing or something that's called resonance frequency breathing. So the idea is this, um, everybody has a unique rhythm of breathing that supports their nervous system to come into balance. It's usually between five to six breaths per minute. Somewhere I think the average for most people is 5.5 breaths per minute. So for me personally, um, I use a breathing rhythm of about six seconds inhale and six seconds out uh, exhale 
um, and I'll use timer, but I, I know the feeling of it pretty well for my body. And this rhythm of breathing um, can create resonance in the body or one of the words heart math, one of my organizations I did training with uses is coherence. Basically, coherence is like that state where your body, your mind, your heart are operating in synchrony, and it's going to be facilitating ventral vagal dominance. So they have cool words, like there's heart coherence, coherence in the heart. There's heart brain coherence, or there's brain coherence. You know, you have like this mental clarity, you have a clarity of thought, your heart is coherent, you have this like sort of emotional clarity. Or the heart-brain coherence, they're working together in tandem very well and creating synchrony and organized signals moving through the body. So anyways, we have this resource, which is resonance frequency breathing or coherence breathing, which we can do. And ultimately, it's extremely simple. Um, it involves a few things. Breathing to this rhythm, approximately six seconds in, six seconds out. And the elements that that heart math uses to infuse it a little bit deeper is focusing in on the area of the chest. And I, per you probably have already done this. A lot of people do these types of things and they don't even, you know, know it as a regulation technique, but placing one or both hands on your chest with a firm, but yet gentle pressure. So you can feel into your body. And as you breathe, you're focusing in on the heart. So you take a breath in, you know, why not do it together right now? I'll do it like for two or three breaths, breathe in for six seconds or so very gently through your nose. And out through the nose or mouth. Just repeating that cycle two more times. Putting gentle pressure on the heart. If you want to join the exercise, you don't have to. And do our last gentle breath in through the nose. Pushing a little more firmly into the chest to feel your body. Focusing in the heart. And out through the mouth. There you go. That's three breaths, really. That was oh, only three breaths. <laughs> <laughs> it and like more like you exist. You're pressing. Come back. <laughs> like, oh, so good. <laughs> it's so simple, right? And and usually three breaths. I would say that that'd be pretty short. I recommend to my clients to do ten power breaths. Mm -hmm. So ten ten power breaths. I think it is. With the six, uh, five breaths per minute. Yeah, that's four minutes. Exactly. If you're doing five breaths per minute, four minutes of is 10 power breaths. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like literally four minutes like that. You have this gentle but firm pressure with one or two hands in your heart. And the reason for this is that we have afferent and efferent nerves. And the afferent nerves are the nerves which go up from the heart to the brain. And there are nine times more afferent nerves than efferent nerves going from the brain to the heart. So the heart actually is telling the brain more information. So the way that we work with our emotions is not by thinking, thinking, thinking. It's actually by moving into our heart, which can then send the signals up. So it's a bottom-up process 
So that's why we do breathing and we do like focusing on your body, focusing on your chest or your heart. Or I bet you there's things you could do with your gut or your muscles, right? But the heart I think of is like the, uh, the power center of where we can do this to let it go bottom up and to, yeah, to, to respond to stress over the holidays or whenever by tuning in and supporting coherence and resonance in your body through a bottom-up approach, gently placing one or two hands on your chest, pushing into your heart so you can feel you know, a calm pressure there, breathing rhythmically. You don't have to use a timer, but a timer can be nice, like a, one that beeps or makes a sound and then beeps on the, after six seconds. That could be useful if somebody's anxious and they breathe really fast and they can't really count properly, <laughs> you know, or you can use your intuition, just breathe nice and deep. Usually you'll find a good rhythm. Or if you want to count, I could, I recommend you do one Mississippi, two Mississippi, <laughs> add the Mississippis because your most people will count too fast. Yeah. And this is, I don't go. know why this came to mind that I was taught just count to 10 and you'll calm down, but it's like in your head. Your body's not calming down. It's just like one, two, three. That didn't do any, that never did anything for me. I can't count. Right. Like if you're breathing like this, one, two. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it was your just nervous like, system. You know, when you're little, jumping. like everybody's like, um, just count to 10 and you'll calm down. I'm like, that never resonated with me. And now I understand why, because it was just keeping me here. I wasn't even breathing. I wasn't doing everything. I was still like activated, breathing fast. <laughs> and that was not doing anything. I was angrier, actually, by the time I ended up 10. So I was so much angrier, angrier. So the way, honestly, like, I'm just gonna, I just want to say something in addition, um, that a lot of people don't realize how this work of regulating your nervous system helps with sleeping. I used to never be able to sleep. I would, I would be taking all the herbal supplements to sleep that I could think of. I could never sleep, but it was also because of unhealed trauma that I didn't even know I had. And, you know, so when I started my work, I started with mindfulness uh, meditation that my sister sent to me. And that just allowed me to tap into my body. I'm like, I didn't even know. I never, I was never aware sitting down, feeling my body. What, what is that? And then little by little, I just started putting myself to sleep through breath work. I just started doing it. And it, that's how I fall asleep now. And then I don't take any pills. I don't take anything. But it's like how naturally my body, my nervous system just has regulated in so many ways that I'm now I'm able to go to sleep. I can drink two cups of coffee. And I can still put myself to sleep through breath work. That's, wow. that's my biggest like, I'm so proud of that, actually. <laughs> so like this work, in addition to all the wonderful things that helps you sleep. <laughs> Totally. If you, if you use a breath work that supports your sympathetic nervous system to cool and um, allows you to go more into rest and digest and just comfort and safety, then the body, like your body will be able to fall asleep a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, so I, I noticed the same thing. Uh, Mary, it Mary, it's Mary, yeah, right? Mary, yeah. yeah. I almost was like Marie and I was like, no, that, that's not, no. that doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, Mary, Mary Miranda. Yeah. yeah um, I noticed, I noticed the very same thing with sleeping. And um, I also noticed that my sleep quality is enhanced when I have high quality co-regulation. That means like if I'm with a partner or if I'm spending time with people and we're going to these emotional places and it feels safe and comfortable and we're enjoying it, um, my sleep quality is just so much better and my ability to fall asleep and even to like wake up in the middle of the night 
And like, let's say like I talk with them, like we, like we, we both wake up and we're like, Oh my God, I just had a dream. And then you like go back or something that my sleep quality is just so solid. I don't know how to describe it. So when we have good quality self-regulation, when we have good quality co-regulation, a lot of our biology optimizes Another thing which can happen is people's health conditions can improve dramatically or reduce in severity. And for some people, it's able to have uh, like a remission. I definitely wouldn't promise that for all people, but I would definitely say that there's some potential there for nervous system to affect bodily organs and systems in a very powerful and positive way. For me, myself, I had autoimmune conditions, gut problems, digestion, bloating, food allergies, and when I had powerful moments of co-regulation as I continued to heal, um, these things improved. And I literally saw some crazy overnight improvements uh, when I went to a festival. I've told this story a bunch of times, but when I went to this festival called Beloved in Oregon, and uh, I went there and I was getting like 30, 40 hugs a day, dancing around people, feeling safe, my shoulders relieved tension was eating, living on my own clock, my own schedule, going to do what I wanted to do, workshops, music, dance, yoga, meditation, things of that nature. And I could eat foods I would normally get allergic reactions to and autoimmune-like reactions to. And I didn't have any reactions to them anymore. And when I was there, I could eat peanuts. I had a peanut pad thai. There was a time before that I would eat peanuts and I would get headache for a day and a half and I would be bloated and my head would be swollen. And it was just very overtly that I was having this response, which was autoimmune and allergy based. And at this festival, I ate peanut pad thai and had zero reactions to it. Wow. And that's when I realized the nervous system does control not everything, but a lot, a lot more than what people think in terms of how it can influence our health and potentially health conditions for the positive. Yes. So that was an experiential learning for me. And um, sometimes I might, if I get stressed, some of these things can come back or they can, you know, come a little bit back. Um, but that experience showed me and this continued regulation and healing and stuff that I do shows me that uh, the nervous system has quite a big influence on our physical health and organs and uh, overall bodily systems. It's so powerful. Like it helps in body, mind and soul pretty much. <laughs> so, so what is one thing you can share with that we haven't shared that you want people to know about the work or about you or about just like anything? Hmm. Maybe we should, we think about something specific, like in terms of who, who am I going to be speaking to? What type of situation um, are they in? And then we can speak to that person's potentially unique needs mm -hmm. uh, rather than giving broad strokes like thought or advice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So what advice can you give to someone with an anxious attachment, a woman with an anxious attachment, so she can become a little bit more regulated? Yes. And that's a great one. And um uh, some of my clients are in a similar situation. And so this is something that is kind of fresh on my mind. Um, and, and we actually already kind of breezed past it, the idea. You touched on it. I elaborated on it. But I think um, it could be helpful to expand on it. 
So basically anxious attachment will be fixating or obsessing or, you know, overthinking about the other person, uh, abandonment, paranoia, and we're triggered at the thought of somebody not giving the attention, the validation and affirming the connection. And so when we feel that person um, pull away and, and, or perhaps something they say or do triggers that within us to instead of focusing on that person changing their behavior, which they may or may not at the end of the day, um, focusing inwards to tend to the state of dysregulation. So that means you have to be able to notice that first of all, and then actually you creating a little bit of a plan for yourself. Um, I call it a state specific strategy. So that means you have a strategy for managing a certain state as it arises for you. If it's a sympathetic like state, which is usually anxious attachment will be corresponding to that in the nervous system, then using tools, which will support the sympathetic nervous system. Here's an example. Um, the sympathetic nervous system tends to be quelled by heat. A lot of people don't know that, but um, heat can be therapeutic for an overactive sympathetic nervous system. That's not like a, a full-on strategy that you just use heat and it goes away. But um, when you apply heat, like a hot tub, a sauna, hot shower, um, these things can be very, very supportive for reducing the overstimulation of the sympathetic and kind of cooling your nerves, paradoxically in a way. Also, we talked about the four, seven, eight breathing exercise. Uh, four, seven, eight breathing exercise involves a longer exhale breath. I also mentioned using interlaced hands behind the head and neck so that naturally the breath goes deeper into the lower belly and diaphragm. And as the breath goes deeper, the bottom of the lungs have the baroreceptors, which help stimulate a baroreceptor reflex and the parasympathetic nervous system. So yeah, lounging on your back. So maybe you could create a little bit of a plan, right? Everybody can have their own plan. If you have a certain friend that they help to cool your nerves, maybe you chat with that friend, you take a hot shower, you go in a sauna, you, you do something, you go in a warm bath, a hot tub, like literally something that's warm enough that you're like, you're literally like, ah, okay, you're settling, your body's settling. And then you do some of this diaphragmatic four, seven, eight breathing, maybe four to eight rounds, something like that. And while you're doing this, you're not thinking, oh my God, I need to feel different. I need to feel different. No, instead we're saying, this is how I feel. There's lots of things that have happened for me in my life. You know, this, I grew up with influences and I'm just going to tend to my state right now because I, I, I deserve to feel better. I want to, I, I deserve to use these tools. I'm sure they'll help a little bit. And let's just see, you know, with curiosity, like, um, you know, and self-love, like, let's just see if these things like really help me out. Like I'll use, I'll do my little protocol, my state specific strategy and, um, and we'll check in. And a lot of times when we really put our intention into, you know, fully into that state specific strategy that we have, uh, good, a good mix could be everything I just said. You reach out to that friend who helps cool your nerves. You go take a warm bath that's actually quite hot. And then you do recline breathing on the back with diaphragmatic breath and put on some like soothing music, something that also supports your sympathetic nervous system to cool down. And you just have that intention like, hey, man, I'm here for me. I'm here to focus on me. Mm. Or, hey, girl, I'm here to focus on me. <laughs> Whatever way you want to do. And, um, 
I'm sure that that can be a very, very helpful place to start, especially without doing any more deep diving into like, you're going to have to learn something, just, you know, creating a, a very simple state specific strategy. That could be um, a nice piece of advice to use. That's so good. That's going to help so many women and anyone. So I love that you came on my podcast. I love the work that you do. You're so knowledgeable and you also speak from experience, which is the most important thing. You have been through this. So you're able to help people more in our, like based on experience, which is, I think for me, it's like the best type of coach, guide, mentor, you know? So where can people find you, find your work, find like whatever you are, programs, anything that you offer? Yeah, so most of my stuff is on Instagram. That's where I share the most value. You can read any of my posts and I get a lot of good feedback on my posts. Like people will share that like, wow, that was like really what I needed to read or um, people will occasionally message me and be like, I'm so thankful I found your page because it's literally speaking to like everything that I've been going through and the words that I want to, you know, resonate with. So Instagram at will, W-I-L-L dot Darude, D-E-R-O-O-D-E. So Instagram at will dot Darude. And yeah, that's where I share a lot of value, a lot of content. And I have my program right now that I'm using, which is a one-on-one -on -one or a group. And the group is a lot of fun because it's a dynamic amongst other people. People share and learn and grow together. And there's accountability factor, which is nice. It's very self-led, but it's education-based, meaning that like we go through education and we think about how it can apply in our lives regarding the nervous system, various tools, and just equipping you and keeping you accountable. Like I give people homework. Like, uh, one of, I, this is a cool exercise. I'll, I'll completely share it with you, but it's, um, naming every state of your nervous system so that you give it a unique name. So you have a reference point that's unique to you. Hmm. So for instance, um, my sympathetic nervous system, one of the names again, it is feeling on edge. So it's just a term, right? It's a term that I use to, to reference that I'm sympathetic, like, dang, I'm feeling a little bit on edge today. Or like when that happened, I started to feel on edge. So you're giving it a name that really makes sense for you. It has meaning to you. So yeah, we do a bunch of these stuff. We give homework in the six week nervous system reset. Um, and in the group dynamic, it's a lot of fun. And in the one-on-one, -on -one, that's where I can focus with whoever I'm working with more intensely and also give them more attention towards what might be unique for them. And those would be the sort of the main two offerings, as well as I do like long-term stuff with people who really need um, something longer, six months plus. And just, they just really love the support, the accountability and the, the check-ins and the information and the tools and the techniques. Longer work is there. And in the future, I'm going to have a 10-week thing, which is based on HRV, which is something we didn't talk about at all, but it's a big passion of mine. Um, heart rate variability as a way to measure your nervous system health. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a run through. Yeah. That's so powerful. Well, I can add everything your, um, your handle, your social media, Instagram handle will be in the show notes, everything. So people can go and find you and 
follow you and tap into your wisdom and medicine and everything. And if they choose to work with you, which they should, because <laughs> this work is life changing, is very powerful, then, you know, they can go ahead and check you out. And um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to resonate with this. So I want to thank you so much for being so open and raw and willing to come and have this conversation and take part of on this podcast. Thank you again so much. I actually did have a lot of fun. This probably like I've been on a handful of podcasts, but that, this one was real good. Like, yeah, gotta say, like so probably my favorite. Glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And the one last thing that I want to just like and close this with is <laughs> what is your truth? The truth of who you are. However, you want to absorb that. However, you want to take that and answer it. It's just a question. <laughs> oh, do you ask this to everybody? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god what type of answers are you gonna get from this one um <laughs> mm, oh my god i'm being foot so on the spot <laughs> i want to give i want to give you like an essay no. like of like everything that is like true to me you know um, one of my guests said the truth yeah. is that i don't know who i am she literally said that and that was so powerful because a lot of us is like yep we evolve and grow every day sometimes i don't know who i am right now <laughs> so it's whatever you mm. are cool to answer whatever resonates with you there's no right or wrong answer it's yeah. just your truth that's yeah yeah and i want to share it in a way that's expressed outward um so that um anybody who is hearing this can click click in with this truth too um and the truth is this um well-being is our birthright like this idea that like you deserve to feel good and to hold that as a high you know, priority to actually believe that. And that's something that is true for me. And, and I believe that and that's brought me so, so far. Mm. And uh, I want to share that for anybody who might have gone through something really, really intense, uh, something that might have shaken or rattled them a little bit. And maybe they have heard people say something like that, and they might not even have resonated with it. They just haven't felt like they're in the space of well being. Um, so I just wanted to share that truth of like well-being is our birthright to experience that, to live that, to feel that. And I truly believe that we're wired for that. We're wired for coherence. We're wired for co cooperation, connection, and for well-being. And it's really just about doing the things which actually help support that natural emergence, like a flower blossoming, just like actually to, to come through, to allow us to experience, to tap into, and to touch that well-being which is our birthright. That's so good because a lot of people don't realize that. They don't realize that well-being is our birthright. And they it's not that they are settling for feeling sick or like not, not feeling well enough, but it's just that they don't know there's a better way. And that's mm -hmm. a good reminder. Thank you so much. So powerful. <laughs> yeah, a little, little catchphrase that, that's definitely true for me. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm truly honored and grateful that you were here. And I cannot wait to put this live so everybody can tap into your wisdom, your knowledge, and your medicine. And hopefully more people will be regulated <laughs> from now on after listening to this podcast. They'll be more inspired to tap into this work. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Mary. And uh, anybody, feel free to message me on Instagram if you heard about the podcast you heard about me on the podcast or curious about anything that I've shared, feel free to ask questions. I try to get back to everybody. So yeah. uh, much, much love. Okay. Well, thank you so much and have a beautiful rest of the day.
Thank you so much for being part of this conversation for Feminine Truth Podcast. This podcast is for you, for me, for us, for the Feminine Collective. Thank you so much for spending your time and energy with us. Share on Instagram and Facebook stories what resonated with you. And if you're listening to this and for anyone to get a hold of this podcast at Feminine Truth Podcast, and if you feel called to, Leave us a review, let us know your thoughts, let, an, let us know how this has felt for you listening to the podcast. And the episodes are going to be every Tuesday, so I cannot wait to see you next time. Sending so much love.